Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is that going to happen through us? In the next part of our discipleship series, the next book, I love this. It talks about building for future generations. And the second lesson into this book is about investing in the local church. I want to reiterate to you that the church is God's plan A, B, C, D. The church is the vision of Christ on you. He said, those of you who confess me as Lord and Savior, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're his plan. But it's not just a plan to generally bring in the kingdom of God. It's a plan to personally bring in the kingdom of God. I want to take you to this, the text for today. And, and by the way, this is going to be a, a, a more brief sermon. Don't applaud, it'll hurt my feelings. But, but you don't need to go really long when you're just going personal. And I, and I want you, last week I talked about prayer. Uh, let me say two things. First of all, I look out and I know some of the folks online and, and it brings to mind a great old saying. See if you can identify with this. Generally speaking, believers aren't in imminent danger of destroying their lives. They are in far greater danger of wasting them. Generally speaking, believers aren't in imminent danger of destroying their lives. They're in far greater danger of wasting them. God wants you to know why he made you like he did. God wants you to know why you've gone through what you have. God wants you to know what there is left for you to do to fulfill the purpose for which he designed you that no one else can fulfill. You were specifically knit together in your mother's womb. Your days were ordained when there was not yet one of them. No one else can fulfill the purpose for which you were made. And the cry and shame is, not only do people not know that purpose, but Many times they get distracted from even being interested in that purpose. And so last week we talked about prayer. How spending time with God would eventually give you the spiritual intuition to know the answer to those questions. Why you were made like you are. You're not a mistake. You're wired just right for, what, for your purpose. Why you've been through what you have. God could have interrupted that. He did not. And therefore, he has a greater purpose, a greater reason. And what there is left for you to do. Now, here's the key. Here's the second part of that. Sometimes you will develop such a relationship with God that he can just tell you that directly. But many times, he uses other people as his voice, other believers 
to speak into your life. As a matter of fact, most of the time, that's what he does. And so therefore, the church, your church, is the way that he's gonna form your life and inform you of the answers to the questions that all of us should be asking. There is a passage that I'll just read, it's in your, it's in your worship bulletin, uh, but I'll, I will, I would, I'll just read a couple of sentences from it. But before we get there, I wanna read the famous introduction to this passage. It's the one that most of us know. Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves, your, 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 yourselves a living and holy sacrifice to God, which is acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Romans 12, two says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that, and here's the key, you may prove, you may live, you may be an example of what the will of the Lord is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, that is complete. Not without error, that's not what perfect means in the Bible. It means, it means you fit the purpose for which you were made. That's what it means, the Greek word is telos. Now how are we to do that? Well the very next lines from three to 16 go into the church. You don't do this by yourself. You don't do this on your own. You do this because God provides you with a part, of, a part of his church to walk through it with, to become so close in relationship that you cannot define yourself without these other relationships. As a matter of fact, it says, as it goes on, switch to the uh, fourth and fifth verse, if you will. It's, it's, it says, uh, for just as we have many members in one body, all members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually, here's the key phrase, individually members of one another. Did you ever have people who meant so much to you that you couldn't possibly define yourself without mentioning them? Because they're that much a part of your life. That's what the church is to be. You know, one of the things that, I, that I, I love about this opportunity that came to us this week, and I want every one of you to write, write, write a check to this, you know, this Syrian thing. I watch these people stream out of Syria and out of all these other countries where, where this, the forces of, of Satan are trying to expunge Christianity from our homeland. This is Syria, you understand? Syria was the place where Paul, on the road to Damascus, was blinded by Jesus so that Jesus could transform him as an apostle to all the Gentiles of the world. This is Syria. And they want Christians to not exist in this land. What, what a opportunity for us, not only to aid the refugees, we will aid the refugees, but to say to a church, 
to the basic gathering of the people of God, we want to help you keep Christians where they live. We don't want them coming out of there. We don't want ISIS to be successful. We want Christians in that land. And that's what we're talking about here. This is my heart has gone out because I say, no, no, we don't get run out of town. And so we resource a church because a church won't just care. The, the money we give will go toward um, food, it'll go toward housing, it'll go toward medical expenses, but it will also go toward spiritual encouragement. By the way, and it won't just go to the Christians because we're indiscriminate in our compassion. Think of Muslims who have also been harmed by this horrible force being ministered to by the Church of Christ. What do you think is going to happen? Let me tell you what's already happening over there. People are coming to Christ by the hundreds because they, because they can see that's where love and compassion is. Uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. So there's no better way to invest. That's the lesson of this morning. Invest in the local church than this example in Syria. But let me come back to our local church. And, and I, want, I want for us to understand that there's, a, there's another saying. I said there were two sayings. This is the other saying. Many times God will launch a vision that is so large we can't begin to comprehend it. Watch this. By taking us back to something so ordinary and so seemingly insignificant that we can't give it due credit. Now I want you to think about that just for a minute. When I say the local church is valuable, I mean, you're here, you're here. You go, yeah, okay, all right. Tell me, that. Tell me something I don't know. Now let me tell you something you do know and you haven't thought enough about. This is the place that's going to develop God's plan and purpose in your life. These are the relationships. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 that you are to be about the building up of the body of Christ. That's the church. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God to mature man. There's that word again. Telos. Perfect. To the, to the man and woman who fit the purpose for which they were made. Every one of you was made for a purpose. You need to fit it. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And so therefore, I want us to think about my church. What, what is my church? What is my church? First of all, those of you who count Northland, no matter where you are in the, your world, as, as, as your church, you know, I want you on the count of three to say, this is my church. Except New Testament Baptists, you just point to one another and say, this is my church. Okay? But on the count of three, I want you to say, this is my church. One, two, three. This is my church. You bet. We belong to one another. 
We belong to one another. And when Jesus talked about the church, he didn't just talk in terms of form and organization and all of that kind of stuff. He talked in terms of friends. John 15, 15. Is that the passage? John 15, 15. Where he says, I no longer call you servants. This isn't just about everybody marching in lockstep in an organization. Because a servant doesn't know, what his, uh, know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. Jesus wants us to have relationships that are so important to us. They will be a part of us for the rest of our lives. I don't know how many of you were brought up in the church. There are fewer and fewer people who were brought up in the church. But I got to tell you, you're hearing from the Methodist Church in Shelby, Ohio. It's where I was raised. When you hear me, you hear Dr. Shoemaker. He was my pastor. Who first, that's, that's, that's you put up the image. This is First Methodist Church, Shelby, Ohio. You know, this looks like 200,000 other churches across America. Because it's like 200,000 churches across America. There's, there's three, over 300,000 churches in America, but they were all, but those of this age were pretty much built like this. And the building is not such a big deal. But the people inside that building, you know, I, 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 was, I was taken in there by my, by my grandmother. A lot of my family is Catholic, but my grandmother was holiness Methodist, buddy. And you went to church, and we had church. And, and, we, and we sat, I mean, third pew on the left-hand side. Most of you sit in the same seats. I know where you sit. You know, I, I, you, if you start sitting, in, it's going to, it's going to mess me up here, you know, but I know where you, Saffersteins have their own row back there. I know I have prices. I know where you, I know where you all sit and, and, and you come and you sit in the same row, Tim, you, you guys were sitting in the same row. I, I know, I know we're just, that's where we sit. And I had the same thing right ahead of Mrs. Price of this older lady who always dressed in purple. And if I smelled perfume today. That was the person I could, I would just automatically bring her back. And I was, and I was, and I was, you know, and, and Mrs. Fish sat on the, on the third row from the front. And I can still see her gargantuan hats. This was a back in the day when women wore hats to church. And she had these huge plumes and feathers and fruit and huge. I mean, it looked like, you know. Mardi Gras Carnival, you know, only she, she'd never heard of it and never would say those words. But, you know, Dr. Shoemaker with her flowing, with his flowing robes and his, his $2 words. And, and he, but what a huge, huge effect on me. As a matter of fact, as I've mentioned to some of you before, there was this old custodial couple in this church. This was a pretty... First Methodist was where, you know, some of the higher prestige people in this little town where the biggest building was the grain elevators went to church and the usher was the president of the bank and 
And so some of them were wealthy, but there was this one little couple, this little custodial couple, little gnarled hands and little gnarled clothes. And they had absolutely no status socially. Lovely people. I can still see where they sat every Sunday. And they looked totally out of place. But I got to tell you, when I went to seminary, I came to a crisis in my life where I was honest with myself. And I said, I'm not good enough to be a minister. I can't do this. And I determined that I was going to leave the seminary. And that day, I got in the mail a check for $5 from this little custodial couple, along with this note. Joey, we believe that someday you'll make a good minister. I'm here today because of him. I tell you that to tell you the value of a local church, the effect you have on one another. Your children will rise up and call you blessed because they were brought to a place where they could learn the word of God. And those of you online, we have, we have you know, our children's curriculum translated into different languages, no matter where you are in the world. But you've got to belong to both the big church and the personal church. Let me say just a little bit about that both the big church and the personal church. I made a little chart because, because here you belong to both. Uh, the, the big church kind of changes the world. The impact that Northland is having on this world is mind boggling. And I like to be a part of a church like that. I like to be a part of a church that can make a difference in the Middle East. I like to be a part of a church that can make a difference in women who are coming out of uh, being trafficked. I like to be a church that can make a difference in, in, in so many ways in this nation. But a personal church changes my relationships. And if you're not a part, if you just attend right now, you're a part of the big church, but I want you to be a part of the personal church. If you're in Longwood, we're starting up these life and community groups led by Pastor Kevin and Pastor Gus and so on and so forth. And you can just be part of a small, you can make relationships. If you don't have personal Christian relationships, you can make friends. Big church is the temple. Hey, put up the Acts chapter uh, um, 5 uh, passage. This is, this is the original church. This is the New Testament church. And every day in the temple... And from house to house, big church, personal church. They kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. In Paul, when he writes in, in, in 1 Corinthians, put up that 1 Corinthians 16. This is what he does. At the end, he says, 
The churches of Asia greet you. Big church. church. There's a whole bunch of us here. There's a whole network in Asia. Big church. The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Personal church. See how this works? So we're a part of the big church and the personal church, the distributed churches that we're, that we're planting. 61 distributed churches planted this year just in Central Florida. Personal church. The big church enlarges my belonging. I belong to, you know you belong to a church of two billion people. Largest faith group in the world. Two billion people. Because the Bible says there's one church, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, period. There's only one church. We're just a part of that bigger church. But a personal church renews my personal walk. Big church gives me a larger perspective. A personal church gives me personal insight. So here's what I want us to consider. And I don't need to talk any longer than that. I want us to consider all of us investing our lives, giving ourselves to the church. It's God's plan A, B, C, D. You can go through the rest of the alphabet. We don't need to go there. It's his plan. It's his vision. Christ loved the church as he loved himself and gave himself up for her. That's us. And we ought to love it that much. We ought to love it to the extent that we're cared for through other people with God's care. We ought to love it to the extent that we will care for others in a way that changes the whole world. And that's done through the relationships of believers that God has put us with. We want to show you a story. This is Dave. He's a good friend of many of ours. He's a volunteer every day at this church. Watch this.